everyone, and welcome to the Icon Church Leadership Podcast. My name is Alona. I'm the Operations Director at Icon, and I'm here with Justin Anderson, our lead pastor. And we are finishing today Season 2 on Relational Practices. Again, we have been nearing our sermon series, Finding Peace in an Anxious World, all about a rule for life. And so today's episode finishes off Season 2 on the fact that peace needs a limit. We're talking about simplicity today. Uh, This whole series, we've been using a framework of relational, formational, and missional. So as we talk about simplicity, uh, Justin, what's kind of the relational and formational side of that? Yeah, uh, first of all, season two, what a ride. Am I right? What a ride. It's just been a roller coaster (laughs) of emotions. Uh, Yeah, so we're talking about simplicity and generosity as kind of two sides of the same coin. These are two practices that are Uh, They need each other, right? Uh, And so the way I want us to think about this is something we've talked about from the very beginning of this whole series, which is that we exist, humans exist, to love God and to love neighbor, right? Like that's why God put us on this planet. And so each and every one of these practices are in effect designed uh, to be oriented towards love God and neighbor Mm -hmm. and love for God and neighbor and to form us into the kinds of people that would love God and neighbor. So when we think about simplicity and generosity, I think it's most helpful to think about it through the lens of loving God and neighbor because when we divorce those ideas from each other, Uh, it can just become, uh, simplicity and generosity can just become like an exercise in minimalism, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later, Um, but with kind of minimalism as an end unto itself rather than a practice aimed at something proactive like loving God and neighbor. So when we talk about simplicity, what we wanna talk about is paring down our expenditures, and and I want to use uh, an alliteration that I invented, uh, called time, talent, and treasure. I'm the first it. one to wrong. ever say that. He's wrong. Uh, write that down. <laughs> and so uh, time, talent, and treasure is the holy trinity of preachers asks for your time. And so uh, we want uh, to talk about all of our expenditures of time, expenditures of talent, and expenditures of treasure. So the work of simplicity is paring down the expenditures of all of those resources um, to the ways in which those things can love God and love neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. So then the flip side of that, the generosity side, um, is then the allocation of those resources towards those two ends. So Mm -hmm. they work together to go, let's create the space through a practice of simplicity, paring down uh, the, the kind of extraneous uses of those resources, and then generosity is then the allocation of those things, mm-hmm. right? So we would ask, does this expenditure of time, talent, and treasure love God? Does it love neighbor? Now, here's where this is relational. The practice of this and, and really the process of, of kind of identifying how we're using our time, talent, and treasure um, is essentially relational because it forces us into relationship yeah. with God and with our neighbors to be able to, to, in order to be able to answer the question, does this expenditure love God? I have to know God, right? right? Mm -hmm. In order to answer the question, does this expenditure love my neighbor? I have to know my neighbor, Mm -hmm. right? It forces us into relationships that um, just the idea of simplicity or minimalism simply does not. Like that is an idea that just terminates on itself without Mm -hmm. a larger trajectory. Right, absolutely. 
so as we think about then what that forms us into, kind of the formational side, where does that leave us? Yeah, so <clears throat> simplicity and generosity frees us from the idolatry of self, right? Uh, it frees us from the idolatry of money. It frees us from the, uh, the, the temptation that we all feel to one, use all of the resources we have on ourselves as a means of security, as a means of safety, as a means of uh, position and status, all of the ways in which we can use our time, talent, and treasure to boost ourselves, and um, all of the ways in which we can use those things kind of uh, outwardly focused to accomplish other things that ultimately then kind of uh, terminate on ourselves. So that work of walking through a process, making a plan for how we're gonna build simplicity and build uh, generosity into our lives actually forces us to do some heart work. So Tim Keller talks about how of all of the vices or of all of the sins, greed is often the one we are least likely to self-identify, right? Like, I, I don't know about you, but I've rarely had times in my life where I have felt greedy. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. Because there's always someone else who's more obviously greedy than me. Mm -hmm. Not saying it's her, okay. but I'm saying <laughs> there are other people out there that are more obviously greedy than me. But if we start down the path of simplicity and generosity, we begin to make a plan, you will start to feel the degree to which you are greedy mm -hmm. as you have to allocate a dollar, a minute, a talent for something else. And, the, and the, the degree to which they, that you have to kind of pry that dollar, that minute out of your cold dead hands uh, is the degree to which you feel your greed holding on to that thing, right? And so just doing the work of making the plan exposes your own hearts, uh, the degree to which your heart is leaning on money to get you the thing that you actually want. Yeah, and I think it's this is why it's really helpful to have that kind of three-part framework for thinking about this, that it's not just about the money side of it, but I think for me in my own life, oftentimes it's the schedule that's more cumbersome. Mm. It's like, oh, like I just don't have time. And yeah. it's, it's because if I apply this lens, I'm, I've been greedy with my time, that yeah. I want to spend it in the ways that I want to and to do the things that I want to do. And so using this frame helps us kind of expose holistically in our lives where are the areas that we need to practice more of that simplicity and generosity. Yeah. So you're saying the, the TTT method uh, has been that really helpful. you didn't helpful. come up with. Yeah, yes. trademark. No. Uh, right. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so it's relational, it's formational, but there's also a big missional side to this. And we wanna, uh, again, there's some obviousness to like, if this whole practice is designed to love God and neighbor, then what does it look like to love our neighbor through simplicity and generosity? Yeah, there's a great, so we've mentioned this book a couple times in this season, but the book called Practices of Love, um, they have a line in there that says, the practice of simplicity is an act of love. It teaches us to find peace, joy, and comfort in taking little and giving much. And I think, again, that's the important piece that simplicity from a Christian perspective and the missional aspect is never just about us. It's not supposed yes. to end with, what it does to me or how it shapes me, it's always meant to then be redirected at other people and externally towards God and others. Yeah, and and this is where I want to speak uh, really briefly about this movement towards minimalism and and how it's kind of gained uh, a hold in our culture. And in, in, in it's a good thing, right? Like the practice of decluttering your life and minimalizing the degree to which you are filled, your life is filled with stuff is good. 
But I, I will say uh, Marie Kondo is doing harm, and it's not just her voice. It is her voice, okay. but it's not just her voice. Um, the, the, the question that she tells you to ask yourself when you pick up a shirt mm -hmm. or you pick up a doll or you pick up, I don't know, those are what I pick up. I don't know what Dolls. you're picking up. <laughs> I'm supposed to ask myself, does it bring me joy? And I'm just telling you, that's the wrong question because that question's about you. And it's about that thing and its purpose then is implicitly, she's, well, pretty explicitly, she's telling you, that thing exists for you and for your joy. And that is just the wrong question to ask because then that becomes just a loop of does this bring me joy? Does this bring me joy? Does this bring me joy? And then what in the world is not supposed to bring you joy? And so according to Marie, Miss Kondo. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, nothing. Everything's supposed to bring you joy. Everything is supposed to bring you joy, and that's a death trap, okay? So uh, this is why we ask better questions and where minimalism falls woefully short of a biblical uh, frame uh, for simplicity and generosity. The question is not, does it bring you joy? The question is, does it love God and does it love neighbor? Yeah, and I think as we've been talking about what this then exposes in us as we try to make a plan, as we try to make this a practice in our lives, is I think it has the opportunity to expose, and again, borrowing here a little bit from practices of love, but this idea of luxury versus lavishness. So there's an, an opportunity there in our lives, and again, we have the privilege in the Western world to, to be able to have nice things. And so it's not necessarily that it's all about like, I can't be comfortable or I can't have nice things, but that idea of finding the line between that and extravagance, where mm -hmm. you uh, have something that starts to border on kind of that, it's all about me in the end, it's all about selfishness in the end, um, and the, even to this point of kind of squandering where we, we take what God has given us and we kind of use it recklessly for whatever we want and don't ask ourselves that hard question of how is this then loving God and loving others. Yeah, and honestly, lavishness and squandering should not even be Christian categories for us. That's just not, that, that in no way does that reflect the, the stewardship that God calls us to, right? Like nothing you have is yours. It's not your time, it's not your talent, it's not your treasure, right? Like right. it's just not yours. Mm -hmm. It's it's on, it, you're borrowing it, right? Like you're literally on borrowed time, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, this has been given to you to steward and, and Jesus is really clear about that. Like you are a manager of God's creation. Mm -hmm. You are a, a steward of his creation. Therefore, it has a purpose that isn't about you and you don't get to dictate that purpose. Yeah. So there is no category for like, well, I'm going to squander this or I'm going to live in luxury on this. Like, no, it's th those are not Christian categories, right? Like you've been given a thing for a purpose. Now go do that thing yeah. for that purpose. Absolutely. And it's, again, constantly bringing it back to that question of how can every piece of that time, treasure, talent be used to honor God and love my neighbor more and more fully? And that final quote from that Practices of Love book that we're supposed to use our wallets and pockets for his glory, not our own, I think reminds us again to just have those one-liners as we make this plan and this practice in our life to kind of check ourselves in, in those moments. Am I using this, am I leveraging this for God and for the love of others? Yeah, TTT. <laughs> so C.S. Lewis has this great line. And, as he does uh, about most things. Yes. <laughs> Step one of sermon prep is, what does C.S. Lewis say about this? Uh, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity has this great line about giving. And, uh, and it's one that is really, really practical uh, because some of the simplicity, generosity stuff exists on a spectrum, right? And we want to 
push it to the side of the spectrum that gives us as much leeway and freedom as, as possible and enjoyment of God's creation rather than the other end of the spectrum, which is the more ascetic end of the spectrum, which says it's all, we got to give it away, we got to live poor. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude them. Okay, so here's the thing I know about our uh, time, talent, and treasure is that we are master rationalizers. Oh yeah, for sure. Master <laughs> rationalizers. She is so good at rationalizing. I'm personally attacked. It's, it's honestly remarkable. Um, so we can take a quote like that and figure out how we are being pinched. And, and there are people in our lives who spend on these crazy things. I mean, I only have one boat. I don't have two boats. This guy has two boats or mine's 15 feet and his is 17, or whatever. Like, those are ridiculous uh, examples. But, like, we all rationalize the way in which we spend our... And I think we, we need to grow in conviction, and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to push on us to go, okay, how can I grow more, right? So that's where this gets really practical. And yeah. I want to pivot us at the end here to mm -hmm. something really practical. How do we think about it? How do we grow in generosity in these areas? Yeah, and I think one thing we've talked about is it's not just about money. So as yeah. we think about the way that we simplify our lives so that we make it easier and better able for us to then be generous. So again, for me, this really pragmatically comes down to schedule and time. Have I simplified my time and my schedule in a way that then I have room for kind of spontaneity for the friend who suddenly needs kind of a, a check-in or the uh, sibling who might just need somebody to come watch their kids for an evening. So to find space in a schedule so that I could actually then be generous and, and use that to love other people with it. So I don't think it's just about money. No, but it is about money. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right, so how do we grow in generosity around finances specifically? Yeah, I think the idea for me always comes down to the idea of, of growth. Like in any other of these spiritual practices that we've talked about this whole season, We've mentioned the idea of like you, you begin where you are and you take your next step. So in the same thing, I think it's important for us uh, to think about how we continue to move forward. And I think in the space of like it is about money, how can I, as I continue to grow, learn to lessen my grip on kind of the monetary things in my life? Um, and I, for me, really pragmatically, this comes down to budgeting. Like this comes down to do I actually, one, sit down and pray about a budget before I ever actually do it? Uh, and recognize that that posture, again, is one that orients me to say, is the money that I'm about to allocate to these different categories actually being used in a way that loves God and loves others? And again, it's, it's super pragmatic for me. Like when I sit down once a month to look at that spreadsheet, is it actually being done in a way that gets to love other people? And I don't think that there's a like a, a too pragmatic side of that. I think that that's just part of the necessary thing. Um, I think a really pragmatic side for people to wrestle with is part of tithing as well. Like to that piece of Lewis saying like, is, is it actually putting you in a pinch? Does it actually, can you give more uh, or are you not giving more than people who make the same amount of, of money as you? And I think for any believer, that's just a question to ask ourselves 
repeatedly, not yep. to ask ourselves once and be done, but to constantly be asking ourselves so that we continue to grow in that way. Yeah, totally. So, uh, does all of this mean that I can't buy myself a bougie cup of coffee? <laughs> For your sake, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, me too. Here's the thing. Um, this is all in tension with, God has, with the fact that God has given us his creation to enjoy. And I wanted to push really hard on one end of this whole idea because we are master rationalizers mm -hmm. and we are uh, likely to take any, any inch that, that the scriptures give us about enjoying God's creation and, and rationalize our way into this is, this is what we should be doing and everything I do is enjoying God's creation. So I want us to, to feel the push of the Spirit and the push of the Scriptures uh, towards simplicity and generosity and remember that um, enjoying God's creation in a way that honors Him is a way that we can love Him, right? Yeah. Like uh, experiencing God's creation of time, talent, and treasure uh, with thankfulness, with worshipfulness and not just mindless consumption mm -hmm. that we would acknowledge in the moment like this comes from god this moment this this minute this time you know this dollar all of it it comes from god it's for god just that process alone um, can really uh, can can really love god but i would also say this is a moment for us to build practices in our lives to remind us uh, to be thankful and to remind us to orient all of our resources mm -hmm. towards uh towards the love of god and others so for instance when you buy yourself that bougie cup of coffee, maybe you also buy somebody else a cup of coffee, right? Which is going to be a, a, a dent in your budget in a way that will keep you from, you know, overspending on yourself, right? So those little practices, little rules that we can put in our lives um, help kind of form and shape our behavior in ways that then kind of form and shape our hearts. Now, we might argue, well, isn't that legalistic? No, no, it's not. Legalism is when you do things believing that they will make God love you more or accept you more, mm -hmm. right? We've blown up, expanded the definition of legalism to say any good thing we do on purpose. That's crazy. That's not legalism. That's obedience, right? Like, mm -hmm. That's creatively uh, uh, forming your life into the image of God. So creating rules is not legalism. Thinking that those rules earn you the love of God, that's legalism. Don't do that. That's dumb. Uh, but just making rules yeah. to help remind us, that's, uh, that's just smart. Yeah. And so again, we'd encourage you to really pragmatically think about that. Think about your budget. Think about... Uh, what does it look like to increase the percent of money that you give away each month? Think about your schedule. And as you, as you map out each week how you spend your evenings, what would it look like to actually think intentionally about giving up some of those evenings, some of those moments to spend with others? Yeah. Uh, and really do one about. thing each week that you don't want to do, but that loves somebody else. Yeah. If you're married, that should be probably pretty easy to figure out how to do that. One thing that you don't really want to do, but your spouse loves and needs, do that. Don't tell them that you don't love doing it because that kind of ruins it, in my experience. But Bummer. do it anyway. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> that's the end of season two, folks. Oh, oh we made so it. Soon. Wow. So it was soon. so good. I know. Wild ride. Wildest ride in the wilderness. We thank you so much for tuning in with us. 
And we'd encourage you, again, as we've talked really today about make this pragmatic. If you haven't yet, go to iconchurch.org slash rule for life and download the template there. It's going to create an opportunity for you to pick certain practices and think about the relational, the formational, the missional, and how you're actually going to apply that and practice that. So again, iconchurch.org slash rule for life. Grab that there, download it, and make sure that you can create for yourself a rule of life to practice. Uh, one quick note as we end season two, which I thought was great. I mean. <laughs> uh, but one thing I will say is that we, uh, we, we got a little bit away from our primary focus of being a leadership podcast. So you can expect future seasons to be a little more laser focused on uh, leadership mm -hmm. and what that looks like in the church, what that looks like in the workplace, in the home. Um, so just as a future note, we will be less tied to sermon series, in fact, not tied at all to sermon series, and, and uh, discussing leadership topics. So teaser for season three. Super exciting. Leadership. <laughs> Be pumped about it. Uh, we are taking a short hiatus between seasons, so just kind of stay tuned. We might have some bonus content this summer, but we'll take Ooh, a break. Between, sounds fun. Wow. <laughs> between seasons two and three. So wherever you're getting this content today, uh, rate it, subscribe to it, share it, and then let us know what you think, and we'll see you when we're back. Thanks for tuning in. To see our show notes and other episodes, head to iconchurch.org slash leadership podcast.